Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Necromaniacs Horror Podcast. How's it going, Mike? What's up, man? It is going well. Uh, that's right. As Mr. Hill just said, you're listening to Necromaniacs, the horror podcast. Uh, he's Mike Hill. I'm Mike Scandato coming at you every friggin' week on a Thursday. Uh, it is a beautiful July evening in Brooklyn, Mike. How's it over in Jersey? Same. You know, it's uh, it was, you know, hot today, hot and humid. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, now it's nice. I know, cools down a little bit, you know, pretty cool. This is, uh, it's birthday week, so this is kind of the birthday episode for me, Mike. Oh, happy birthday, dude. I don't even know when your birthday was. My birthday, well, my birthday is coming this Friday, so by the time this gets out there, you know, this will be the birthday episode. Um, you, yeah, got my plans? you got plans to celebrate? Yes, yes, going to uh, Atlantic City for, for two nights, which should be fun. Yeah. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. Oh, totally, yeah. Me and Stella. AC is fun, man. I like. I actually like going to AC. I do too. I haven't been there since 2018, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I haven't been on any semblance of of a vacation in a little bit either, so I'm just you know happy to get away for a little while. Um, so yeah, should be fun, man. You do you do anything cool this weekend? I did actually. Uh, Friday night, I uh, I went to see. Night of the Living Dead, a Night of the Living Dead screening at QXT oh. in Newark, with awesome. uh, with my friend Tina, and uh, mm -hmm. it was really fun, man. There's um, I, I've never been to QXT. Uh, you know, I've only been living out here in Jersey for a short period of time, and that's the spot. Apparently, if you're into uh, goth industrial music and sometimes metal, like they have shows there occasionally, and and sometimes like metal bands play there. And, uh, yeah, I was there once many, many moons ago. Uh, I definitely would like to go back. Um, yeah, I keep, you know, keep hearing a lot of cool shit happens there. So hopefully I'll be there soon. Well, she turned me on to this place. Um, and apparently every month there's another group that does horror movies there. And they have like mm -hmm. a Friday night thing. The movies are at eight. And uh, this past Friday, it was Night of the Living Dead screening. Next month, it's going to be White Zombie. Oh, awesome. And they have like a Q&A afterwards. Uh, you know, it's not like there's this for the for uh, Night of the Living Dead. They had an actress, uh, Jean-Vieve Rossi. Mm -hmm. who's like a B, you might know who she is. She's been in like 100 B movies. And mm -hmm. uh, she has some connection to George Romero. Mm -hmm. uh, so she answered a lot of questions about the production of the film. Uh, talked about zombies and then talked about her career and then was selling some of her Blu-rays and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So nice. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, uh, yeah. I, you know, the other week, I, I I don't know if I even mentioned this on the show. I put it on our Instagram, but the other week, Stella and I went to this cool place in Ridgewood, Queens, the flying Fox. Yeah. 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 Was, yeah you told me about that. Yeah. 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 Which is also another, horror themed spot where they show horror movies and stuff and it's great that these things exist out there in the in the area huh yeah no totally man and and then last night i had a late night man it was like uh you know like i haven't had a night like this since i, I don't know in a long time i went to <laughs> went to staten island to see engine head and future century future century play at mm -hmm. um uh mother pugs which is a yeah. uh the, a punk rock bar in Staten yeah, Island. Yeah, I played there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
Engine Head, of course, features uh, Justin and Drew from Tombs uh, playing Mo- Motorhead. It's like a Motorhead tribute band. <laughs> and, um, and then Putrescension is a side project for Justin. Uh, very good band, black metal sort of thing. It was their third show. I would say in that Polish style, black metal. Mm, okay. You know, kind of like Magua, like that sort of thing. I would dig it then. Very I, cool. You, you 100% will dig it. And uh, they've got some limited stuff out there, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a bunch of their stuff, like some cassettes and stuff they have. Nice. Yeah. And uh, now after that, there was uh, not Ghost, the uh, hard rock band, but Ghost, mm-hmm. G-O-S-T, the electronic. Ghost. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> after we hung out in Staten Island until about midnight and then drove into Brooklyn to St. Vitus to catch the 130 set of Ghost. That is a long ass night, Michael. Oh, yeah. Real long, real long night. Um, definitely uh, unique night for me i don't really stay out that that late really you know but yeah it was yeah. fun i had a good time that's awesome on uh, on friday stella and i went to see uh left to die which is the death tribute band death of course the you know classic florida death metal band uh which is obviously no more since the death of uh chuck schildner uh back in 2001 um yeah, it featured uh, Terry Butler on bass um, and uh, Rick Roz on guitar, uh, both of which were on the Leprosy, Leprosy record. They, uh, Yeah, they did the Leprosy record front to back, and they did a few songs from Scream Bloody Gore, which was cool. And they had um, the singer from Exhumed on vocals. Matt. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was great. I forget who the drummer was, but he, whoever he was, he was fucking great. Um is that a club I, I was not too into? It was my first time there in Brooklyn called Market Hotel. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it is not suited for like metal shows. It's It seems like a place that's more for DJ nights and parties, to be honest. Yeah, I saw Mortician there a few months ago. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not, a, not my favorite spot. And uh, yeah, I agree. It's like more like a party spot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I know that they ha- they've had they've had tons of shows there. They have tons of shows lined up. So you know, as they say, just because you don't like it, don't mean it ain't no good, right, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> you can you can see the subway, uh, like the uh, was that the uh, the train, the, the, the M- JMB or the M, yeah, yeah the, the, J, M- the J, J train. M- you can see the J train from standing inside the club. There's a big window. Yeah, and it's funny. I I gotta be honest. I I was like, you know, is if you're a band playing on there, you know, you, Left to Die came from Florida and California, respectively, and you've got like the train passing behind you, you know, coming and going. Is that cool or is that not cool? Like I I couldn't make up my mind as to whether or not I thought that was cool or not. And I'm a New York City native, and I'm just like. Do you want to see that? Like, is that distracting or like annoying? I don't know. What do you think? I don't think I'd like that, you know, I, but no. I can, I can see like if you were from like, uh, you know, like Nebraska or something and you're like visiting, right, visiting right, Brooklyn, right. you know, and you're like, oh man, you know, it's so cool. You can see the subway play behind the, you know, behind the band playing. But I, for me, I don't, I don't think I want to, I'm not into that really. Yeah. Put a curtain there. No, put, put something there. Close it up. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. <laughs> 
just yeah. one of those those weird things and the sound was was not very good the the speaker system was not very good i mean you know look i'm, I'm a musician myself these are things i notice you know um yeah it's like a practice space pa and i have to say uh the, the place that you guys played at had a way better PA system, and it was a smaller venue, I would say, probably, as far as like capacity Yeah, Bowery goes. Electric. No, Bowery Electric's great. Downstairs room, and they even have shows upstairs. There's a room in the back upstairs. I mean, no, they, they have a fine sound system uh, in human. We have, I, I believe, some of the uh, the board mix from the show that got to take a listen to. But, uh, yeah, no, man, that's a great room. Um but you know what? I feel like there's so much happening, Mike. I mean, like Voivod played this club a few weeks ago, and and it's like people are like, well, why didn't they play this club, this club, or that club? And I'm like, because there's too many fucking shows, man. There's there's too many bands on tour. I feel like, which I hey, it's great. It's been a long two years, right? But yeah. now you're seeing how it's problematic. You know? Would you agree? I can agree. Because of my firsthand experience with that. Uh, yes. <laughs> last stop. Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely, man. Like some, you know, it's great that everyone's out there, but like tours sometimes roll through these smaller towns, like places like El Paso or Mesa, mm. Arizona. And if there's like five shows at the same venue in the same week, roughly in the same genre, that not everyone is going to be able to go to all five of those shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Brooklyn in particular, especially the neighborhoods like, you know, Bushwick, Greenpoint, Williamsburg, I've lost track of the number of new clubs that there are. And a lot of them have the word Brooklyn in their name. And it's kind of hilarious. But again, it's kind of like confusing. <laughs> you know. Um, again, it's better than no club. Don't get me wrong. But I almost wish these things were a little bit more spread out. Like they're, they're kind of all on top of each other, you know? Well, in Bushwick, you got... Brooklyn Steel, mm -hmm. right? You got Brooklyn Monarch. Mm -hmm. You got Meadows, mm -hmm. right? And there's another one I'm forgetting about too. And they're all basically on the same street. Market Hotel. And there's another one with Brooklyn Made. Brooklyn Made. Yep. Elsewhere. I mean, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. And they're all they're all in the same neighborhood, basically. This is a lot. Like, and then you have not too far away your St. Vitus, not too far away your Warsaw. Um, a lot, a lot going on. Um, none of this is in South Brooklyn. None of this is even, you know, like Park Slope needs uh, another venue or two, I feel like, in there. You know, there's like, there's not a lot there, you know. Well, it's Lucky 13, um, which is, you know. Yeah, there's, that's, that's literally one of the only places, though, you know. Yeah. But there's nothing below that in, in all of Brooklyn. Like, there's a huge chunk of Brooklyn. Completely underserved is what I'm saying. Hmm. But much to my disappointment, uh, Miss Katie Irizarry was supposed to make a, an appearance uh -huh. at, the, at the Engine Head show, but she did not show up, and we were all disappointed. Uh huh. Well, Katie, hopefully she'll make it to the next one, as they say. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing is, man. Again, uh, you know, we're both musicians, and these are not complaints. These are mere observations, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the, I guess the more clubs, the merrier. As, as long as they're booking cool shit, you know? Yeah. We cannot forget the plugs, Mike Hill. Uh, we have our friends, our brothers in arms that we give plugs to every week, right? 
Yeah, we cover you guys from Monday through Friday. So the entire week, if you just come to these shows, provide excellent entertainment Monday through Friday. On Monday, we have none other than Brandon Legion's Horror Wolf 666 podcast. On Tuesday, who do we got, Michael? We have Into the Necrosphere featuring Jackie Smith. On Wednesday, we have Mike Hill's own Everything Went Black podcast. That's kind of where it all started, really. I mean, even this, you know, the very That's first true. episode of Everything Went Black was me and you. That's true. That was the, the <laughs> genesis, the nucleus of Necromaniac's podcast. On Thursday is Necromaniac's podcast. That's right. And on Friday is Break the Apocalypse podcast. How funny is that? Featuring your brother, John Draper. Yeah, he's my brother. We're related. We just have different last names. That's all. (laughs) We're related. Do you check out any movies or anything like that, Mike? You know what? I have not checked out many movies this week. Uh, It's been a week of, of reading. I uh, I am plowing through my beautiful hardcover volume one of Tomb of Dracula. Um, I've acquired a few more Savage Sword of Conan uh, collections. Nice. <laughs> I have acquired a few more uh, Tomb of Dracula and Werewolf by Night uh, comics. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't had the chance to really kind of plunk down and watch a movie uh, other than the movie we're watching tonight. What about you? Um, I I haven't really. This past week was very very busy for me, and um, mm. I barely read anything. Like I'm I'm in the middle of reading uh, that book, The Deep, I was talking about by Nick Cutter, and I'm like halfway yeah. halfway through with it. But I, I read all of like another hundred pages today, and mm-hmm. I didn't read anything all week. But movie wise, I watched a movie again that you and I have talked about in the past. And I'm going to put this down on the table as maybe the next thing you and I do. Okay. The, the uh, God told me to. Ah, yes. Which is on yeah, shutter. A, and it, and mm-hmm. it was, it's an excellent film. Yeah. That's a creepy, weird ass movie, huh? Yeah. I, I think we should cover it. I think, I think it would, it would serve the show and listeners. Well, I think so, Mike. It's got, mm. um, a young Tony Lobianco in it mm-hmm. takes place in New York city. Yes, that's right. That's yes. right. And it's, New York. it's from that, uh, that halcyon days of the late seventies, you know, mm-hmm. with like very real realism is like a, a thing. You know, the actors look like people you'd see on the street. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, see now I, I haven't seen that movie in, in a, you know, in a minute. So again, it'll feel like one of those brand new watches so you know uh, i'll definitely peep it again and we will uh, we will get it out to you listeners how about that surprise surprise yeah it's it's a bit of a hidden, hidden gem you know i think mm. no i think so too man yeah but uh tonight we decided to uh go back to the 70s uh we, we did a, a cool little movie from 1980 not long ago uh which the episode seems to have been uh, been a bit of a hit, Michael. The without warning episode. The the listeners uh, enjoyed it. It seems. Yeah, yeah, got some good good feedback on it for sure. Yes, yes. Um, we're going back to Italy. Uh, everyone, pack your bags, get on the plane. We're going back to 1972, 75, actually, Michael. Uh, Rome, Italy. Uh, a little movie called The Suspicious 
Death of a Minor, directed by our old friend Sergio Martino. Well, as longtime listeners know, Mike and I are, are fans of Giallo films. And um, mm-hmm. this is an interesting one because it's uh, a sort of combo of a, of a Giallo and the Italian police procedural film. Yeah, t- Italian crime, which Italian was... Crime. Which, which it's funny because by about 75, the Italian crime, uh, Politecchi movies, and I completely mispronounced that, by the way, uh, had kind of taken the place of the giallo, actually. So it, it almost kind of makes sense that this late era giallo from Mr. Martino mixes the burgeoning, you know, Italo Euro crime. So it's kind of uh, kissing cousins, as they say, you know. And also uh, something that's absent from a lot of the Giallo films that's present in the Italian crime films is a little bit of the humorous stuff. Yes. Uh, This movie has some humor. Uh, It is dark subject matter, definitely. Very dark, yeah. Uh, The plot is pretty heavy plot, actually. But it is not short on crime, and it is uh, crime on comedy (laughs) and crime. And it is not short on, you know, like... Both, you know, comic relief and, you know, with a kind of a heavy, dark story, Mike, right? Definitely. I mean, it deals with uh, trafficking of underage girls, as the uh, the title implies. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Child trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, before getting too really into it, into it, it, it unweaves a bunch of webs and layers, right? Which yeah. is also really cool um you know you're wondering where it's all kind of leading and it's uh, a little surprising as to where it goes but uh, yeah we we will discuss it um yeah if you're uh, somewhat of a long time listener or at least a listener within the last six to 12 months you'll know that we've covered uh several sergio martino movies already on the show we like to put him up there in the big four uh the big four of Italian directors being Mario Bava, Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci, and our very own Mr. Sergio Martino. Would you agree, Mike? I agree. And I would add like um, like the testament of the big four. You know mm-hmm. how like testament's not actually one of the big four, but they're like. Yes. Oh, Who's oh. your testament pick? Who's your testament pick? Michele Suave. <laughs> Michele Suave. Yeah. Michele Suave. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah. I would put him in there. Hell yeah. He's our testament exodus pick. Yeah. Um, only the metalheads know what the hell we're talking about. But although, you know, maybe maybe not, I feel like at this point with the, the term Big Four and bands like Testament and Exodus, you don't have to be a major metalhead to know what the hell we are saying. But uh, interesting thing about this movie, it is Martino's sixth and final Gialli. Um, first being Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward in 71, which we covered. Uh, released the same year in 71, The Case of the Scorpion's Tale, which is another cool movie. 72, he does Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, featured right here on Necromaniac's podcast. Uh, 1972, again, two in one year, the excellent All the Colors of the Dark. 73, he gets a bit darker with the Torso film. You like the movie Torso, Mike? Yeah, that's good, man. It's um, not one of his better films, but I still enjoy it, though. Yeah, I I don't like it as much as the, the the four others to be honest, but it's it's actually very popular. Um, 
And uh, lastly, he caps his giallos, not his films. He does many other films after this one with the suspicious death of a minor in 1975. Uh, another great fucking title, right? Cool title. Yeah, definitely. And and after his uh, run with Giallo, he got into these kind of like post-apocalyptic films. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about one of the last post-apocalyptic-y kind of ones he did in a minute because it, it ties into this movie in a rather sad way. Um, this movie uh, was released August 12th, 1975 in Italy. It was also titled Too Young to Die in certain parts of the world. As Mike Hill said, it mixes giallo with Italian crime. Uh, the screenplay was by both Sergio Martino and the ever-loving Ernesto Gastaldi, who, if you look him up on, you know, Wikipedia, IMDb, he's written, I don't know, a hundred movies. And, you know, about, you know, 80% of them are well-known giallo and, and horror films. Uh, amazing screenplay writer. Uh, he also did the story for this one, uh, produced by Luciano Martino, Sergio's brother, who we've talked about before on the show as well. Uh, the film stars Claudio Casanelli, uh, who, uh, actually, fantastic actor, I thought. What did you think? Yeah, he was great because he had a pretty wide variety of emotions that he had to portray in this movie, which I thought was really cool. No, yeah, totally. Um, we're definitely going to get into the plot uh, on this. And just so you know, the movie is, um, I don't know, almost 50 years old. So, yes, there will be spoilers. <laughs> uh, also stars Leah Tanzi as Carmela, Patrizia Castaldi as Marissa, uh, Mel Ferrer as the police superintendent. Um, okay, very cool. This movie features not one, but two women who would go on two years later to be in Dario Argento's Suspiria. How about that, Michael? Yeah, we, I remember we were talking. I didn't pick them out, though. Like, I didn't. Okay. When I was watching the film, I did not recognize them. I have to admit that. Uh, yeah, and they are Barbara Magnofili, who plays Floriana in this film. She, of course, plays Olga in Suspiria, one of the girls at the ballet school who really gives Susie Banyan a lot of shit. Um, very pretty, uh, dark-haired actress. Uh, she has a cool role in Suspiria. And Franca Scagnetti, uh, who played the cook in Suspiria, that very scary woman who, like, the moment you see her, it's like, oh, yeah, she's a witch. Like, she's, like, you know, very strong features. In this film, she plays the character Giannino's mother, um, more of a, of a comic relief character in this role, but definitely plays a very kind of, like, ominous presence uh, brief presence, though, in Suspiria. And uh, Gian um, Giannino is played by Adolfo Caruso. And, um, that is correct. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like the uh, comedic sidekick in this film. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, another very interesting, solid performance. Um, while I didn't look him up too much, I wouldn't be surprised if he had quite a few of the Italian comedies of that era under his belt, huh? Yeah, yeah I could see that. Uh, that was another thing that was kind of happening around the same time as this, the Italian sex comedy thing. Um, but of note, this movie, while it does mix the, you know, Italo crime with the giallo, this movie, while it has some nudity, 
not as nearly as much nudity as most y'all. This movie does not have a single sex scene in it, Mike. Yeah, I, I was, uh, I picked up on that too. Like there, yeah. and the nudity was was sort of brief and very non gratuitous. I would have to add. Mm-hmm. Whereas most most of honestly, Martino's giallos are kind of loaded with sex and nudity. Uh, honestly, oh, they're very sexy movies. Like, you know, Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward is, you know, a, a very sexy film loaded with lots of sex and all the colors of the dark and your vice is a locked room has like the crazy, you know, thing with the mom. And the, the, there's a lot going on there. This movie, uh, again, a hard tone, but not gratuitous. No. Yeah, it's it's more of the the actual story itself and and maybe that's why because we're supposed to be dealing with young young women like very like girls basically maybe that's why they shied away from the gratuitous uh sex scenes and nudity scenes even though these uh mine quote-unquote minors all look like like they're about 30 years old so yes they look about 30 but they're supposed to be teenagers that's the interesting part mike yes exactly yeah uh they're supposed to be under 18 yeah they do they look uh they look Definitely mid late twenties, so yeah, or, or maybe thirty. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just kind of how it went sometimes. I think in nineteen seventy five, you know, that's just that was just life. Um, rough plot summary. Uh, summary here: Police detective Paolo Jeremy, played by Claudio Casanelli, and the mysterious Marissa meet each other at a dance hall. Jeremy is unaware of the secret that Marissa carries with her adverse conditions in her life that have forced her into prostitution. As Jeremy finds the young girl brutally murdered, he decides to go after the killers. During his investigation, he enters a world of intrigue and obfuscation that leave an endless trail of blood. Um, okay. I don't know if I'll agree with that endless trail of blood. There's, it leaves, you know, there's a few bodies in this movie. I, I wouldn't say it's a tremendously high body count. But to me, again, this movie is more about what you uncover as you're watching it and what uh, Paolo uncovers as well. No, what was really interesting, I thought, was that it doesn't dawn on you that he's a cop for a good 15, 20 minutes into the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like this sort of sleazy, like low-level criminal, you know, because he's driving around this like... Like there's there's these two recurring themes in the film, like the, the... crappiness of his car right yes like the and door doesn't work are always breaking and his yeah. glasses he yes. always has cracked glasses and that actually this is an interesting plot device yes that it is. The, the quality the cracked glasses played throughout the entire movie until he actually gets a new pair of glasses and that coincides right. with yeah. a very big plot, <laughs> plot development you know yeah i have a, i have some questions about towards that you know that whole ending moment but anyway what I thought was interesting is that it almost just initially seemed like he was a guy trying to pick up a girl and kind of strikes out basically, you know? Um, and then, you know, like, and the girl kind of runs away. The girl is being pursued by a killer. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it was almost like, Oh, he's a cop. <laughs> like I thought he was just some kind of schleppy guy. Like it was just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I thought that was a, a nice little, way of of like teasing the audience for a little while i thought you know and in that opening scene you really get that giallo style like you get like you know 
suave Italian dudes, beautiful Italian women. Everyone's mm-hmm. like smoking cigarettes and drinking wine. Yeah. And mm-hmm. guy with sunglasses on, menacing, very sketchy looking character following oh, yeah. a woman. You know, it's exactly. all there. All those elements are there right in that first scene. Um, but what is a what is a, a non giallo trait in a way was that we see the killer's face. We yes. know who the killer is. We do. Um, so that is actually not the mystery here. Um, the mystery is why the girl Marissa was killed. That is the mystery, and who she was. Those are really the mysteries, right? Yeah, it's a. It's like. Um... Yeah, it's like an interesting inversion of the style. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I really liked about this movie is that it just didn't follow the trajectory of your typical Giallo film where you're not sure who the killer is. It's like an inversion of that whole, you know, context of that story, which I thought was really cool. I almost feel like I have seen other uh, Gialli that have done that before where they do show you the killer. And like it, it, there's like other layers later on. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I, I'd have to really think about what that was, unless this is one of the extremely rare instances where it just kind of puts it right in your face. But I think part of the reason it does that too is again because it is also a police film and a you know what I'm saying it's like a police drama slash giallo. Like there's there's a lot more kind of going on, right? That's right. Um. Something I definitely wanted to bring up uh, about this movie was the score. Um, really strong, beautiful soundtrack by Luciano Michelini. Um, and much to my surprise and enjoyment, uh, it came out on vinyl in 2020, and you can get it now, actually, from the Four Flies label, uh, this cool Italian label that does a lot of uh, old soundtrack stuff and new music as well. So I, I'm definitely going to hunt that down. But what stood out about the soundtrack is that it sounds a lot like the theme from Deep Red by Goblin, Mike Hill. Did you did you think so? Yeah, yeah. We were we were discussing that, and I thought that it was uh yeah, definitely like like this kind of deep red vibe to it, you know. And I yeah, do that, I agree with you. I'm I'm gonna try to pick that up, man. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this the score for this movie. Yeah, um, aside from the, the main theme, which definitely is inspired by, by Deep Red, I there's no way around it. Uh, listeners, the moment you hear it as you're watching the movie in the beginning, you're going to be like, oh, okay. Uh, it's that, that kind of bass line, the, the drums, the keys. It's super informed by the theme from Deep Red. Um, and uh, there's, there's literally something which really took me by uh, surprise uh, about three fourths into the film was a a complete nod to a kill scene in deep red but the thing is though okay this is 1975 comes out in you know let's see was that august or yeah in august of 75 deep red also comes out in 75 which means these movies might have been also filmed at in 74 or maybe very early 75 um it's kind of like a, a rip of a kill scene, the very first kill scene in Deep Red, where the woman is in the window and the killer kills her in the window and the glass breaks and there's someone who, you know, who witnesses out on the street. Oh, the, the murder of the uh, landlady. Yes. 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 Um, 
super, super similar. Like the, the kill scene of the psychic in the beginning of Deep Red, and there's a kill scene in this movie of the uh, the very heavy woman, the, the landlady of this very sketch hotel. Um, yes, so listeners, when you see that, you know, if you think that one might have ripped the other off, it is very possible. I think so. I have a funny feeling the, the Daria one might have came first, but hey, could be wrong, or it could be completely coincidental, right? Um, it's hard to say, it's hard to really say that it was incidental, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I think that, um, similar, similar to like when you, you know, music, you know, there's only 12 Mm -hmm. notes, you know what I mean? Right. You're creating, you're working within this style and of course you're going to be influenced by certain things. Mm -hmm. Uh, that type of scene is very effective, you know? And, um, it kind of, it's important. It's a, a plot device and i i wouldn't say that i don't think it was incidental i think it was you know and also he's referencing like one of the probably more popular of those films no totally totally um but who knows i mean i always felt that martino has had and has a style all of his own you know what i'm saying all yeah. of his movies i don't think mimic i mean the only mimicry of argento movies is the fact that they're all giallo films uh dario you know Reignites the genre in, in 69 with Bird and Crystal Plumage and Strange Vice, you know, comes out in 71. I mean, look, yeah, there, there, there's probably some mild inspiration, but I always felt that Martino had his own flair and his own style. So, you know, it's again, it's like black metal bands who play a certain particular style of black metal. Yes, there's that one that, you know, came a little before the other one. But then there's this really cool one that just came out two years after that guy. And maybe their sounds are a little similar, but they're two completely different bands. You know, I, I agree with that sentiment. Definitely. Yeah. It's in other words, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all fine. And, uh, it, you know, they're, they're, they're fun fucking movies. They're good movies. Um, back to the plot of the film. Okay. So we have a, a very young girl who has been murdered. And yes, like I said before, lo and behold, uh, Paolo is a policeman. He's not just some guy looking to pick up chicks in the middle of the day, which was, again, what I thought at the very beginning of the movie. And I go, oh, how about that? He's a cop. Well, also, uh, there's there's a lot of scenes of him. Like, you really get the sense that this dude might be a criminal, you know, or he's doing crim- criminal activities. Okay. His, all right. I would not say criminal. I would say he's a cop who takes his job very seriously, but maybe too seriously because he does the, what I call the extra work. Okay. Like the, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking solve this case. If it kills me, uh, I'm going to put my fucking badge in the glove compartment and just act like a fucking asshole to get the answers that I want to get. Like, you know, so yeah, it is kind of criminal. I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call him a bad cop though. How about that? I would call him a very aggressive cop. Yeah, yeah, like definitely. He's not, yeah. you know, it's not bad lieutenant. Is he's I'm not saying. playing by the book. Right, 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 right. Um, but you know what, though? I mean, in a way, with what he's up against, he kind of has to do this, I feel like. Well, there, there's a scene where he's with the, the commissioner, mm-hmm. and they're talking about how, how he's like this kind of almost like a special ops guy. Right, because the families when their when their daughters are kidnapped, you know, in order for the 
kidnapper to not think that they're dealing with the police they kind of operate like clandestinely you know what i mean like he's like this mm. deep deep undercover kind of guy yes undercover exactly he is like a deep undercover kind of guy um and yeah and it's you almost kind of i guess i don't know i felt like i wrote some notes saying like i almost felt bad for him several times in the movie you know he's because definitely he sympathetic like, like he definitely sympathizes yeah. with him yeah yeah for sure he, he doesn't, I mean, he does, he's not a married man. He is not a man with children. He's not that old. He's young. He doesn't look that old, you know? Um, and he, you know, he's he wants to get to the bottom of this murder. And he's running into all these obstacles and cover-ups and just a lot of weird shit, you know? Again, uh, as I've said before with many really good Jalo films, I feel like this plot would work very well in a modern film this plot what do you think yeah yeah i mean it's a very compelling plot i mean if you think about it it's like the obsessed cop operating somewhat being flexible with the rules mm -hmm. of uh yeah. you know and like not playing by the book you know right. that that's a that's like a almost like an archetype in like crime films. oh no yeah no yeah. it's again it's no, it's nothing new but Again, like what he uncovers is like is is the more is would be the oh my goodness part of the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like the oh yeah. look who's behind it. You know, um, yeah. I mean, the movie gets more okay once this murder has taken place. I feel like uh, the giallo-ness obviously takes the back seat to the Italian crime aspect, right? Um, it's really more about solving the case, whether or not. I mean, than not. Okay, who who do you think the murderer is? We know who the murderer is. It's this like thuggy blonde guy with glasses, you know? Yeah, and it's like and that guy is very giallo. You know? Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, he looks cool and you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, he he's not in a lot of the movie, but when he's in the movie, it's like, you know, fucking cool and hard and heavy. Um yeah, so we meet other people like other other people the police and you know as he's going on the cover he's kind of like unraveling this organization right who has ties to a, an italian bank and basically you know the long and short of it is that there are people in power surprise surprise who are behind this child trafficking ring right mike that's right and He's kind of trying to, you know, once he gets the information, I feel like his superiors aren't really taking him seriously and they're not believing him. And then to me, there was a scene where before the movie ended, ended, I almost thought it was going to go all the way up the chain to the police. Did you think so? Um, I don't know if I would have went that far. I thought it was going to stay within because, you know, like there's the tendency to have like the kind of like rich corporate types as always, yeah. always being portrayed as the bad guys. So I thought it was going to stay within that, you know, corporation realm. The reason I thought that was because one of his superiors was so intent on kind of like, you're, this is crazy. And this is science fiction. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like science fiction and you know, uh, you're out of line. And like, I don't know. I almost thought that maybe that one particular guy, uh, uh Lieutenant or whatever he was, police chief might've been involved, but lo and behold, he was not. So, yeah, it was almost like a, almost felt like a weird tease in a way. No? Yeah, you know, and uh, 
But, you know, I think because of the guy's unorthodox obsessions, you know, it might have lent itself to, you know, the, the his boss not really believing him, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you have the standard, you know, kidnapping tropes, but they get kind of like intertwined with like the, the trafficking aspect and the cover ups and the people in power. And I don't know, I think all of this just kind of works really well uh, for a movie that, according to Gastaldi, is a lesser film. Yeah, I I um I caught that too when I was doing some of the uh, research for this, and uh, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate that he felt that way about it because I don't I don't see it that way. I think it's one, it's a, you know, it's it's equal to all the other um, all the other films. Yeah, I mean, I don't look. Is it as I don't know if it's as great as as you know a few of the other Martino films we've covered, like you know Your Vice and Strange Vice. Um, but it's different and I appreciate how different it is from those movies and how it doesn't rely on all the same things and it goes to different places. And then it was just, I thought really enjoyable, you know? And again, I thought the, the music was cool. I thought it had just kind of like this cool kind of vibe to it. And I, you know, Claudio Castanelli, Castanelli's performance, I thought was really cool and believable and intense. Um, there's this scene in the, the middle of the movie that is just pure mid-70s Italian comedic car chase. You know, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen yeah. the movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that was the one scene that really takes you out of everything. But again, I feel like it was intended to do that, you know? Um, <laughs> but that was like my the one, one of the things I didn't like about the movie. But I guess ultimately I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I mean, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> I, just I, I didn't screwed. mind that because like, because there already was like some comedy in the film, you know, like like um, you know, a sidekick is like a you yeah. know, a comedic element to it. You know, of course, uh, I'm referring to uh, Giannino. He's like, um, yeah. you know, funny. He has his, you know, he have, he plays a he saves his life at one point of the film. Yeah, the Giannino uh, character. Um, is like a thief who, who kind of like becomes the sidekick to Paolo, you know? Yeah. And they're kind of solving this case together, basically. Yeah, working together. Working together. Yeah, yeah, they're working together. Um, and I have to say, man, wow. Uh, again, spoilers, the movie's 50 years old, um, but we do want you to watch it. Uh, the scene where he meets his demise along with the other girl on the scooter, the bomb, that was that was a big bum out for me. I was really bummed. I was bummed that yeah. they took him out because I was really starting to like Giannino, you know? Yeah. And also there was not like I looked at how much was left of the film and I'm like, OK, it's going to wrap up where where, you know, we, we, we get the big heavy and blah, blah, blah. But no, we're going to also take a few characters out before, you know, like I was like, oh, shit, you know. Now, there's a scene in the film that involves Giannino and a movie theater mm -hmm. and Maybe some of you fans out there that are very perceptive might know what this movie was, but Mike and I couldn't figure out what film they were watching. So there's a scene they're meeting they're meeting the young lady in a movie theater, um, you know, Paolo and Giannino, and there's a uh, 
a poster of the film that looks very familiar to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. I tried to find the poster online and I could not identify what giallo or crime film they were seeing, but it's clearly an existing movie that exists within this genre. And yeah. I, I, I cannot mm-hmm. for the life of me determine what film that was. I'm going to, it's, it's, it's definitely they're watching a modern movie it's 1974 75 in the theater they're definitely watching something that does exist uh it would be interesting if they were watching an, an actual just a, a sergio martino film which it actually could be you know what i'm saying yeah um i just again in my research i couldn't find what they were watching either uh if any listeners can figure out what movie they are watching uh, in the movie within a movie scene of uh, Suspicious Death of a Minor, please let us know via our Instagram page, right, Mike? Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm so curious about it because like it's just I don't know it was a, de- a deliberate kind of thing, you know. Mm. Yeah, it was that was a cool scene too. Um, again, right that's right towards the end where they you know they kind of lure the killer in, so to speak. Um, but you know, they actually managed to, to kill the killer. You know, the killer dies. He, he falls to his death in this kind of a tense scene on, on a rooftop of the movie theater or whatever. Uh, wasn't it odd that a movie theater had a reclining like ceiling? Like, did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. It was odd. Is that like a thing in, in, in Europe? I, might, I didn't never be. heard of it. Might be. Might be. Who knows? But anyway, <laughs> Yes, but it, you know, after that, like you, you think you're kind of safe and that the movie is, you know, done. But obviously, the movie is not done because we kind of find exactly just who is behind, you know, the the sex trade, you know, child ugh, child trafficking ring, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's that horrible scene where uh, the girl gets the package and she goes uh, on the scooter and, and they both get taken out. They both die. And I just feel like at that point, um, you know, Claudio Castanelli's character is kind of like left with nothing but basically this case and solving it and putting it to bed. Uh, but of course, we have to mention the fact that leading up to that, he kind of does like a... I don't know now. Was it like a was it like a mock quitting or did he really quit? I took it as he actually quit. Yeah, uh, but he, you know he quits because he gets paid this large amount of money to be quieted by the the man behind you know this whole fucking horrible situation. Um, but at the very end, though, you notice that he he rips up the check did you see that part yes like yeah yeah exactly okay that's what i thought yeah no it didn't have that cynical of an ending where this guy that you've been rooting for just you know like sells out like that no i was you know no no no. i mean i mean that that would be super kind of dark and weird um (laughs) (laughs) um yeah at that point i actually thought that maybe you know paolo would just be like Okay, you know, I quit, I take the money, but I'm just going to go on my, you know, on my own terms and finish this case, which is basically what he does. But before that, his friend gets killed and he's in a hospital and he talks to one of the other policemen. And it's like implied that, like, you know, 
I, I'm, you know, I'm back in basically, you know, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, because, it, it built some drama, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we basically find out now the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering is that the man behind all of this, was that an uncle of the murdered girl? Yeah, it was an uncle. It was an uncle. Yes, it was an uncle. So there is also, you know, a, an incest angle here uh, on top of the, you know, child trafficking angle. But again, it's not, I mean, I've seen the word sleazy used in reviews of this film. But in my opinion, I didn't find this movie to be overly sleazy. Did you? No, because uh, like we said earlier, there's no um, overt nudity. You know, there's a couple of scenes, but nothing crazy, nothing, especially mm -hmm. for an Italian film. And yeah. um, no sex scenes, which mm -hmm. that would have made it sleazy if you if you have right. these alleged uh, underage girls with sex scenes, even though these women are all late 20s, clearly. Right. You know, they're <laughs> yeah. not, they don't look like young girls at all. So, you know, we have to use, they're taking license with that. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say this is overly sleazy, though. I wouldn't say no, it. not at all. And and it's barely exploitative, actually. Like it's not even, you know, I don't know. Again, I I felt like it's for the subject matter. It's actually handled rather, you know, I don't know if I'd use the word delicately, but it's handled properly, is yeah. what I'll say. I would I would right? agree. I would agree with that. Um, you know, almost TV movie esque. Uh, you know, with Maybe European TV movie-esque, I felt like. Yeah. You know? Because yeah, there was some nudity, yeah. Which, you know, Europeans are okay more free to that. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, like I said, spoiler alert, uh, he ends up killing uh, the uncle. Uh, he, he shoots him, basically. There's this scene on, like, a train where the, a car is, is... He's with his driver on a train. Like, what is it? Like, one of those things where they transport the car on the train instead of driving the car. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. There's this shootout. Um, and you know, he gets the bad guy is basically what happens. Um, but not, you know, not at, a, at quite a bit of a, of a loss because he loses his friend and he himself is also shot. So it almost leaves it a bit, a bit like ambiguous as to his own fate. Right. I, I want, I want to believe that he survives. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, thought it was a cool ending, you know. Uh, but but getting back to what I alluded to earlier about the actor himself, Claudio Casanelli, um, he would go on uh, about ten years later to be in in another uh, Sergio Martino film called Hands of Steel. That's the uh, American uh, title of the film, which apparently was shot in uh, Arizona. Uh, uh, sadly. During the filming of this movie, uh, there were some scenes being shot at the Grand Canyon uh, in the town of Arascanti. Uh, um, and in basically, there was a, a helicopter crash on the, the Navajo Bridge. And uh, actor Claudio Castanelli died on the set while making this movie with Sergio Martino. Isn't that bizarre? Bizarre and sad. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, I believe those are the only two movies that they 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 did together. Uh, this movie does come out, Hands of Steel. You can watch it. You can see it. 
uh, it's, you know, the post-apocalyptic Blade Runner, Terminator, Escape from New york kind of style that was quite popular once upon a time. Um, but yeah, I, it makes me want to see this movie, uh, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of like a sad ending because he wasn't even really that old of a guy. You know? Yeah. yeah I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, Hands of Steel is uh, might be on the Arrow app. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was 46 when he died, July 13th, 1985. Young man. In Arizona. Wow. Uh, he left behind three children. Hmm. Crazy, crazy. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Uh, Casanelli. Damn. Also around 74, he was in uh, What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Which uh, apparently is, yes, a movie that mixes giallo and Italian crime directed by Massimo Dallamano. It's a, a movie that I've always wanted to see, actually. Um, it, it wasn't available till recently, actually. You, you can see it now. Uh, he is also in The Great Alligator River, Mountain of the Cannibal God. He's in uh, Hercules, uh, the 1983 film. Oh, Hercules, yeah. I remember that one. Yep. Directed by Luigi Cosi and starring uh, Lou Ferrigno. He plays Zeus. He's in uh, Lucio Fulci's Murder Rock uh, from 1984, uh, which is that flash dancey esque Fulci movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not, not a great movie. Um, yeah, he, he's, you know, did a bunch of stuff in the 70s. Right up until uh, his death, nineteen eighty-five. Man, unbelievable. Mm. Mountain of the Cannibal God is mm-hmm. um, that's kind of a classic film. Like that's like a uh, you know, like part yeah, of, it's part a of jungle, that. It's, yeah, the mm-hmm. jungle cannibal genre. You know. Yes, it's got Stacy Keach in it. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, it, you know, who doesn't like Stacy Keach? Uh, also directed. I'm sorry, by Martino, which would make a third film that he did with Martino. So, yeah, um, I'm you know, I've said it before, not a tremendous fan of that genre. So I, it's funny. I know the names of all those movies, but I've only seen a few of those movies, you know, Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Pharaoh, and maybe like one or two others. But there's obviously a lot more than that. No, Cannibal not, Holocaust. Not that that's yeah. the uh, the kind of only one you really gotta see, in my opinion. You know. Yeah, that's your Godfather. That's your Godfather of uh, you know Goodfellas Godfather of the cannibal genre. Would you agree? I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> if you if you put it that way, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, if you're gonna put it that way, right? If there's gonna be one to watch, it, it's probably that one. Uh, you know, it's definitely that one. Let me let me put that uh, to right there. But um, what would you give our film of the evening? I give this one. Uh, I give this one a strong four out of five. Yes, you know what? So did I. I gave it a four out of five. I was gonna do three point five, but I decided on a four, uh, mainly because I think I just enjoyed it. I I don't know. Like I found it to be very enjoyable. Um, certain job films, I feel like. I don't know. They a lot of them have midsections that are a bit of a of a drag, and I thought this movie just kind of flowed well, and it was just a, a cool movie to watch. Yeah, it was definitely a fun movie to watch. Uh, you know, quality. I'm a fan of Martino's work, and um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, actually, you know what? I think on Arrow, I'm looking right now. The Sergio Martino collection is uh, on sale. So any any, oh, nice. any listeners out there want to uh, 
get a hard copy. It, the The collection includes this film, actually. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, this movie was hard to come by uh, only until a couple of years ago when Arrow put it out on Blu-ray. Um, you know, it was, aside from the, the gray markets, uh, it never had any kind of U.S. DVD release or anything like that. So um glad you can fucking check it out now. Um, there is also, well, uh, the only thing is by the time listeners hear it, it'll be over. There's this big sale over at uh, Kino Lorber. Uh, who does sales all the time, actually, which is great. They have tons of great shit on Blu-ray. And uh, Barnes & Noble just wrapped up a, a killer Criterion Blu-ray sale. Mike? Oh, dude, I got I to gotta get on board. I, I never think to look at Barnes & Noble for stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, 50% off. I, wow. grabbed, uh, I grabbed scanners on Blu-ray, which I didn't have. And I grabbed um, Videodrome on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. Uh, Criterions, yeah. And that's so, that sale's over with now, right? Yeah, I, well, ah. think so. Think so. All right, I'll but it they out. do it a few times a year. Um, that's the cool thing. I feel like it's I don't know. It, it, it's a good time to be a buyer right now. Uh, things are prices are, are 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 good from like your your bigger outlets. You know, your 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 Barnes and Noble and like your your big distribution companies like Kino Larber and. They want to move that fucking product. So, yeah. But, uh, Michael, this comes to the end of tonight's Necromaniacs. Yeah. No. And we, you know, for a while, we were doing a lot of these uh, Giallos, Gialli, actually. Mm -hmm. And I think I would like to get back on that. There's a lot of, a whole like variety of these films that we can talk about. Maybe do one a month, maybe. I'm cool with that. Um, what spiked this one, listeners, is the fact that uh, Shudder now has it on their service uh so check it out on shutter uh they also dropped a few other really cool films uh that they haven't had before like who saw her die which is actually a really solid giallo uh featuring mr 007 himself george lazenby michael that was definitely another one we talked about doing so we should we should check that one out too for sure and that always reminded me of the very cool Dismember song called I Saw uh, I Saw You Die. Instead, you know, the movie's called Who Saw Her Die, and their song is I Saw You Die. I was, it always makes me think of Dismember, that movie. I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up. Uh, thank you all, uh, new listeners and old. You can check us out on Facebook, Necromaniacs Podcast. You can check us out on Instagram, also under Necromaniacs Podcast, right, Mike? That's correct. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Cheers, everybody. A girl Turn me on
Oh, girl. Oh, girl. 